0: My name is Scott Chaloner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. It is a crisp autumn morning here in the capital when you join us, and joining us on the, uh, the show today, I'm delighted to say, is Thomas Dunn, the chairman of Orbion. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Scott, it's a real pleasure to join you this morning, and as you say, it's a crisp autumn morning. It's a because nowhere better in the world to be today.
0: Absolutely. And uh, just Tom, for those people that may not be familiar with yourself and Orbion, you're a supply chain finance solutions provider, aren't you? And that's sort of a very vague overview of what it is that you do. So just for the listeners, could you just sort of expand on that a little bit more, please?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Scott, thank you for this. Thanks for this opportunity. So my name is Tom Dunn. Um, I was I'm a Brit. I uh, have uh, have uh, spent uh, I was grew up in Birmingham, and uh, I then joined um, at quite a young age. I joined J.P. Morgan, um, and I worked with them uh, in London and in and in the Far East in Australia and in Japan for a number of years. And I then I left in 2003, and I was then shown the opportunity to get involved with a company that was called Orbium that was based in the US but had some uh, activities in the UK that had been founded as a joint venture between the giant uh, US bank, Citibank, and the German software company, SAP. Um, these two organizations the first established Orbion in 1999 with a dedicated purpose of pursuing opportunities in the emerging uh, intersection of supply chain finance. What supply chain finance means or what it, supply chain finance involves is the, is the provision of finance that enables suppliers to best meet the needs of their typically large industrial or retail con, uh, customers that they, that they are supplying um, in different countries, different regions um, or across the globe um sap and Citibank had set this business up by 2003 when i was uh um shown this opportunity um they had decided that they wanted to reduce their ownership and i stepped in with a with a handful of other investors and we acquired a majority stake in albion at that time which over the years has then grown to be now a, a a complete control of the business um held by myself and uh and a number of other
0: investors. And during that period, what you've essentially helped do, Tom, is instigate a transformation of the business from sort of a minor player into sort of a solidly profitable, fast growing and widely acknowledged global leader within the supply chain finance field. So what sort of went into making that transformation possible from a personal perspective? Yeah, that's
1: a that's there were many sleepless nights, Scott. I can mm. I can assure you. And just when we kind of whenever we thought we had, we sort of got it cracked. There was there was then the global financial crisis in 2007. There was the European the kind of uh, the, the the eurozone crisis of 2011. Um, we then had some period of stability, um, or slightly greater stability before, um, obviously, then the ructions of Brexit and then the, the the effects of the pandemic over the last couple of years, kind of all the the proof of um, I think it was attributed to Mike Tyson the notion that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm. Um, well, we've been we had to you know keep 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 our head down as we as we battled on through some uh, through some punches. But the key to our success, the success that we enjoy now, has been an absolutely resolute focus on doing one particular thing, the best in the world. Many people, many kind of business strategists and, and thought leaders will say that in order to be truly successful, you need to be the number one or number two in a marketplace. And if you're not that then you should probably be exiting. Well, we didn't have the opportunity to be number one or number two in the world of supply chain finance, at least at the start. It was dominated by the big banks like Citibank and Bank of America, um, JP Morgan, EMP Paribas, all of the huge um, multinational banking organizations. But what we did have the opportunity to do, to be, was to be the best, we could be the number one or the number two best in supply chain finance. And we knew that if we just did that and we controlled the things that we could control, we could control our costs, we could control our risk management processes, we could control the technology that we were using, we would make each of those things the absolute best. We would never lose sight of the fact that our, the users of our services, the the, the buyer organizations, the supplier organizations, mm-hmm. and the markets to which we go to arrange the financing that we need every day, that, they, that we are their servants. And we never lose sight of that, and we just strive to be the, the absolute best in serving their requirements every day. And steadily, 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 that has allowed us to, uh, uh, to grow, so that over the last for the last five years, we've had a you know, compound growth rate across our revenues and across our assets of a little over 20%, which has then translated into a growth rate across our earnings of a little over 40%, compounded every year, which means now that we have become you know, something of a, uh, of a presence and something of a unique story within the world of disruptive Finance providers insofar we are, as we are very profitable and we generate all of the, 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 the resources that we require for our own expansion, our own capital investment out of our own cash flows that we're generating.
0: It just shows the value of finding your niche, that doesn't it? And and the whole reason I actually asked that question, uh, Tom, was because a lot of our regular listeners are of that sort of younger, sort of entrepreneurial mindset, let's say, and they may have that big idea and are thinking of starting their own business, but might be just sort of looking at the economical landscape and thinking, goodness me, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to make a success of myself at this time. But it's important to remember, isn't it, that, you know, some of the biggest businesses out there have sprung from times of economic. Hardship, and it is possible to sort of get your head down and really succeed in a crisis. Because yourselves at Albion are a prime example with the many hoops that you've had to jump through with the financial crisis, the eurozone, Brexit, and now of course COVID.
1: Exactly, and I think that for for, for people that are thinking about starting their own business, it is very important that you that you keep the faith. That if you if you believe that you have a proposition. Stay true to that purpose. Doesn't mean that, don't be flexible. Don't 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 don't, don't adjust as you know, Lord Kane's remarked. You know, when the when the facts change, you may need to change your perspective. But and so not to be bloody minded about things. But on the other hand, you have to have confidence that what you are doing is going to is 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 going to be providing great value for the the users and whether that be consumers that you expect to sell to or organizations, corporations that you expect to sell to, or governments that you expect to sell to, doesn't really matter. You have to just strive to be and never lose sight of the fact that you have to be the best. If you're not the best, there are few prizes in vast arrays of business for coming, you know, second or third. There's, when mandates are awarded, they're awarded once. And that the lucky loser is just, you know, I'm afraid that the, you know, the, the, the pointedness of that expression is the person that came is that they're the loser they, they don't have the opportunity. So you can, you can spend too much time trying to kind of chase alternative opportunities and just end up coming second too often. or better just to come first in a niche and actually then use that, to build out further success from that from that
0: platform. Mm, absolutely right. And I think another key aspect of sort of building a business is being willing to sort of learn from setbacks as well and not to expect sort of overnight success because that simply isn't how it works. You've got to put the, not the hours in. The sleepless nights, as you've already talked about, in building a Caribbean as a business, that's a prime example of that. And when we think about sort of learning, I suppose the last eighteen months with the pandemic has been probably one of the most significant learning curves of our time that we've seen in global industry. Um, in sort of the context of Orbian, is there anything key that you would say that you've certainly learned from this uh, period of time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I think there's a couple of things that have been have become very clear during the uh, the pandemic. First of all, as I kind of think about our own operations and activities. The That if you build a, an organization that is firmly rooted in whatever, whatever cultural definition you want to have for your company, you, you live that and you breathe it. You can then find that the degree of trust that you have in your colleagues and in, you know, the entire organization gets gets magnified and multiplied. So if you'd asked me two years ago, if I believed that Orby, and just to put this in context, every day we, we, are, we are running financing and payments processing of well over $100 million every day. You told me that we were going to move that completely out of the office and effectively kind of into everyone's basement. I'd have said, you know, no, that's, 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 that's not going to happen. As it was, we were given about four weeks before, the, you know, kind of in anticipation of the first lockdown, and we did it. And the, the culture and the strength of purpose and of alignment of interest across the organization that we had built over the course of the previous 15 years came to the fore. And everything just carried on moving. I'm not saying that it was that it was utterly seamless, but from the important perspective, every single supplier got every single payment that they were expecting. They received every every time they wanted this kind of funding, it was there for them. Every every market um, that we were accessing, every issuance of commercial paper flowed seamlessly. These were the things that were built on the. These were the rewards that we had for the establishment of a culture of risk management and compliance that had been built up over 15 years. Mm. And I turn to the other side of the equation, to our customers and people we were serving, it became very clear in the pandemic that the requirement for resilience in the supply chain was never strong, was never greater than as revealed by the pandemic. The requirement for suppliers to have timely delivery of funding that enabled them to meet meet their own demands for their employees, for their own suppliers, for their to pay their rent, everything else, it became it became a matter of absolute criticality and has and has, you know, very clearly demonstrated the the value that exists in a but in well-structured, resilient supply chain finance arrangements that act as a very important tool of collaboration and strategic alignment between buyers and their, 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 their dependent suppliers. Of course, it would be it would be remiss of me not to um, comment, at least in passing, on of course, you know, the supply chain finance. If anyone of your listeners that Googles supply chain finance is highly likely to come across one of the great scandals of. 2021, yeah. which was the collapse of Greensill Capital, mm-hmm. um, a company that touted itself as being at the forefront of supply chain finance. Um, in fact, it was it was it was it was far from that. It was it was operating under a guise of supply chain finance, but doing things that were were very far removed from what, Orbian or the major banks or anybody else considers to be supply chain finance. So I do think that it's you know as again as your listeners. Um, to the extent they have any interest in this, they they, they should be um, they should acknowledge that um, uh, sometimes the 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 pandemic also had the effect of um, of revealing who was uh, in Warren Buffett's uh, expression swimming without their shorts on.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's very true as well. And uh, just going back to sort of what you said about uh, culture as well there, Tom, I think it's seldom been under the microscope more than it is now because when we are sort of looking at certain sectors and seeing what is sometimes quite a difficult recruitment environment especially, so many more prospective candidates for roles are looking at things like company culture and what flexibility they're going to be offered, whether that business is sort of putting mental health of their employees at the forefront of their considerations, and I think that is indicative of a real change in demand for what people want from their employers, and so culture is so 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 important in that, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, but it's. it's got, I mean, that's true in every business. It's not just true in 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 this business. And I think that you know one of the things that we as we Look at kind of on a broader, you know, UK basis. We think about the challenge, the upside, you know, the off-sided, you know what's, the, what's the challenge about productivity in the UK? I think a big part of the challenges around productivity sit around challenges around culture. You mm. create a culture in which people feel enabled, feel trusted, but at the same time feel guided by what they're doing. Productivity naturally flows from that. It flows from the fact that not only are people prepared to work harder, but that, and this now sounds very glib, but to to the extent they're working smarter, that is the key to productivity growth, and that is what 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 we have seen, and I know it's what you know, hordes of other very successful companies see and would cite as being very important to their to their long term you know, well-paced growth. Well-paced growth does not mean growing like gangbusters because you're chasing some sort of private equity valuation or because you think that it's it's all got to be done too quickly. It's about having measured growth that it has a clear eye on a reasonably far horizon as to where the company is going to be and what the value is going to be and how the interaction between the company and its customers is going to sit two, three, five, ten years down the future.
0: Absolutely right. And when we think of sort of mental health as well, something that I touched on there as well, just how important is that within sort of business and organisational leadership now in your view? And that's not just in terms of safeguarding that of those around you, your colleagues, but also taking care of your own as a leader as well and making sure that you're not sort of burning out at the top.
1: Yeah, look, it's almost a truism to say that um, that mental health and broader concepts of wellness and of, you know, whether that's work-life balance, whether that is, but it's, it's not just the interaction between the workplace and one's um, non-workplace. It's, all of the interactions that that, that 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 people are confronting every day, whether it's social media, whether it's the pressure to to borrow, to consume, whether it's competitive natures of 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 the environment within which people are living, and you know, there's little that we can do necessarily to um, to address all of those things. But wherever you know, Orbion can work to help people with their Know, work-life balance help them address issues provide them with with support during times when they might be facing particular challenges so we're a privately owned business that um, that tries to operate as far as we possibly can in accordance with what I'd almost term like you know, family values that 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 we embrace the required the 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 needs or the responsibilities that we have to people that have committed their, their lives and their careers to, to working with Orbian And in response to, in recognition of that, we are very eager or very sensitive to wanting to reciprocate that trust that people have in us with a sense of responsibility towards their entire well-being. Position without ever being intruded This is not to say that we've got the, that, we, the, that we that we you know look to look to know what people are doing or don't or in any way have any greater involvement than people are ever comfortable with. But we mm. want people to know that we are there to provide the levels of support whatever they may require.
0: Absolutely right. And that's going to be key moving forward into the uh, the future and thinking about what is sort of in the immediate future for us. It's a different picture, of course, across the uh, the globe with sort of where the pandemic is. But in the 2021 budget, of course, we heard Chancellor Rishi Sunak talking up the sort of importance of keeping the economy open and the hard-won gains that we've got from that. And that has really incited some optimism within business and British industry, sort of seeing the state of the UK economy and how it's looking to hopefully grow over the, uh, the coming months. And um, with yep. that in mind, um, are you sharing that same optimism within Orbion, and have you got sort of big plans over the course of the next 12 months, would you say?
1: Yeah, so I think, if we kind of t- first of all, take kind of global view. Um, clearly, there are some stress points um, around the globe, both from a kind of geopolitical perspective, also mm. from a from a from the logistics of supply chain um, uh, management uh, perspective at the moment. Um, Neither of these are uh, we anticipate having any impact on our continued uh, growth. Um, we think that you know we have a a very a, a business model that actually is as, as as people face these kind of challenges in their underlying businesses. Orbian is positioned has positioned its services, as I say, as this collaboration between buyers and suppliers. And so whether people are moving to more towards you know nearshoring or reshoring um, uh, that they're, they're, they're currently very dispersed um, uh, supply chains or whether they're moving from a just-in-time approach of their uh, supply chain to one that is based around a greater degree of, of um, flexibility and resilience. Orbion is there to provide that level of support across each of those things. If we look at the UK, um, you know, many of those Considerations continue to be uh, continue to be true, but one of the things that we've actually been doing um, quite a bit of work on over the last couple of months is actually looking at we we generate vast amounts of data, as you might imagine, within the Orbean system because of all the payments that we're processing and all of the financing flows that we are actually um, executing. And one of the areas that we decided to take, you know, kind of a, a deep dive into was looking at the regional. We tend to, in the past, we've tended to have a very kind of, you know, g- uh, 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 countrywide approach. So we say, okay, we do this amount of business in Germany, we do this amount of business in the United States, we do this amount of business in the UK or Canada or Denmark, or wherever it might be. What we decided to do was a, as a, as a, as a, as a sort of a deep dive analytical process was to take... Um, two or three of the countries in which we have you know, significant, very significant activities actually dive now into the into a regional focus, and, and one of those countries that we did and that's been particularly interesting to see has been the UK. And we're now going diving ever deeper and deeper into what is the what is the configuration of our customer base in the UK. As we look at things almost on a postcode by postcode basis, but certainly on a kind of, you know, a broader regional uh, perspective of looking at the Northwest, the Northeast, the Midlands, the, well, the West Midlands, the East Midlands, Wales, Scotland. And we kind of really, and we look at some of the trends that are happening there. We look at some of the ways, but very importantly, we look at the ways that a regional focus can help buyers, so if you like, the controlling. That the, the sponsoring entity can use this analysis in order to help their any regional agenda that they have. And what I'm, what we're going to start exploring um, early in the new year then is the ways that we can use this to assist the government in their levelling up agenda. Because this is this is large amounts of money that are really flowing that we can facilitate the flow to these without any requirement for you know there's, there's no there's no government guarantees or sponsorship or anything else that's required here it can it's just part of the way that these flows can be can be channeled or can be targeted in ways to assist what we believe is one of the you know the two or three most important agenda items for this government.
0: Mm, absolutely, so and um, thinking about sort of where you would like sort of that agenda to be and where you'd like Orbium to be over the course of the year, uh, the next twelve months by sort of this time in twenty twenty two. What are sort of your plans for Orbium? What would you like to have achieved by then? Would you say?
1: Well, I think that you know, I think that to to continue to um, uh, establish the the the. the Absolute um, value, the vibrancy of contribution that well-structured supply chain finance programs can make to the health of large organizations, Mm. their suppliers, and regional communities. And if we can do that, you know, this this regional focus is one that we're very much targeting the UK. We've done the same analysis in the U.S., we've done the same analysis in Germany, we've done the same analysis in Canada. Um, we're gonna we can extend it kind of, you know, as 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 required by our customers. But as we think about the UK in particular, we really feel that there's a very important contribution that we can be making. And by this time next year, I'd like to turn around and say, um, you know, this is we when I was Turning to Scott, uh, towards the end of 2021, I identified that this was an area where we wanted to make a contribution. And mm. as I look back now on the previous 12 months, I can see that in addition to having continued to grow the business by 20 or 30 percent over the course of the year, we have made this clear, we've had this clear impact on this very important um, agenda item for the government.
0: And hopefully Orbion can continue to have that profound impact moving forward. And I think as we start to sort of see the next year unfold and we sort of see what kind of trajectory the nation is going in, certainly, I'd love, um, Tom, to potentially welcome you back onto the program with us just to see how some of those big plans of yours are coming along, because it is a changing time and it's important to keep tabs on these things. Great fantastic
1: well i would uh, i would welcome the opportunity to come back and uh, and you can you can hold my feet to the fire as to what we've actually achieved over the over the 12 months
0: yeah and hopefully it will be a real story of success to share um, we are just about out of time on the uh, the show today tom so thank you so much for joining us on the uh, the program and by all means do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on as well
1: thank you very much indeed, scott it's been a real pleasure talking to you
0: likewise and for those regular listeners tuning in today that may feel they have their own story to share with us by all means you can apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply we'll of course be back next time hearing another unique story of success and of innovation and until then to all of our listeners uh, take care and goodbye